Hallelujah. Come on, give God another hand to praise for our praise team. Amen. Our musicians, our band. Awesome job tonight. Awesome job tonight. Amen. Amen. Good evening. Good evening. God evening. The only thing better than a good evening is a God evening. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I'm excited to be here with y'all tonight. Thursday couldn't get here fast enough. Amen. I'm excited to be here with y'all tonight. Amen. Glory to God. And tonight I want to continue teaching about understanding the new covenant. I want to continue to teach about that. It is God is doing a complete overhaul on the way we think. A complete overhaul on the way that we understand him. And we understand our relationship with him. Somebody say relationship. Religion wants you to be set up with duties and plans and obligations. But God wants you to be set up in a position where you can just receive his love. Amen. Amen. It's about receiving his love. It's about letting God love on you in a way that you don't even think you deserve it. You don't think you deserve it. But God thought you was worth it. Somebody say amen. Amen. So today I want to grow. I want to talk about part six. I want to talk about growing in grace. Sunday I talked about standing in this grace. And now I want to talk about growing in grace. I want to talk about growing in grace. And this is not your um, your average religious sermon about grace. And grace is when you mess up. It is the thing that God used to cover your mess up. That's not what grace is. Grace is, is actually... Um, not just a thing, it is an expression of a thing. It's, it's the expression of the new covenant. We're going to talk about that to, tonight as well. That when we're studying that, so allow me to pray first. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I yield to your spirit. Holy Spirit, we are eager and anticipating the influence to flow in this place from you. We have received your presence today. We acknowledge your presence today. We know we are aware of what you come to do today. We expect you to do it today and we yield to your influence today. Flow in this place, move in this place, teach in this place in a way that only you can. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Somebody say it out loud with me. Growing in grace. Growing in grace. Now, in this subject, uh, Ms. Deborah, of the New Testament or the New Covenant, which is the New Testament, that I begin to understand that my ability to see God or to see this covenant, this new covenant, will determine how I see God. Let me say that. My ability to see, to truly see this new covenant will determine how I see him. Let me break it down this way. Some believers have a bad view of God because they have yet to properly see the new covenant. So the God that they see is a God of an old covenant. They don't get to see the God of the new covenant or the same God, but the expression of him is different. In the old covenant, there was there was condemnation in the old covenant. It was a focus of sin in the old covenant. There was a uh, condition of performance on our end. God would say stuff like, if you do, if you do this, and if you do that, then I would do. And God didn't get a chance to do some of the stuff that he wanted to do in the lives of the people that he was dealing with back then because they could never perform. Amen. So what God did in the new covenant, he got rid of the performance and replaced it with faith. 
here's the condition now, in order for me to do everything that I want to do, I need you to believe. If you can believe, I get to show out in your life. Glory to God, that's good. Did you hear what I just said? If you can believe, God said this, now if you can believe, I get to show out in your life. Father, show out in my life. Amen. Glory to God. So it's a covenant. Somebody say it's a covenant. We can say it louder than that. It's a covenant. That word covenant means to bind together. It means to bind together, to tie together. You remember the yellow rope and the red rope? Amen. It means to tie together. It means to bind together to make one. That's what the word covenant is. That's where we get the term marriage from. It means to come in agreement. It's not that I am me and my wife become the same person. We don't become the same person. What we do, we have individual identities, but our covenant bind us together to operate as one. Amen. That's what happens with you and God, that God enters into covenant with you. He's bound together with you to become one with you. You got it? All right. So repeat after me. Repeat it. This is a confession that I've been making all day. So I want you to repeat after me. Say it with me. I am one with the healer. Therefore, I am healed. You never have to check with your feelings about this. You never have to check with your body how it feel or how it look or what the doctors say to confess this and to believe this. Remember, this covenant condition is this. If you can believe, I get to show out in your life. I get, God is saying, I love you so much that I want to show out. One objective of mine as a husband is to treat my wife in such a way and to lavish her in such a way and to put a smile on her face in such a way that she is esteemed above any other woman on earth. That's my goal as a husband. That's my goal. God is saying that, as it says in the book of Isaiah, your maker is your husband. God is saying that I want to do the same thing on a greater level, but you won't let me because you won't believe. So you never have to check with your feelings. You never have to check with with, with your your bank account. What we're confessing, you got to believe it. Look at somebody say, you got to believe it. Let's confess it again. And this is what it says. I am one with the healer. Therefore, I am healed. I am one with the Savior. Therefore, I am saved. I am one with the sanctifier. Therefore, I am sanctified. I am one with the provider. Therefore, all of my needs are met. Therefore, all of my needs are met. Now, remember what I said. You never have to check with your bank account about this. You never have to check with your bank account. You never have to check with your doctor's report. You never have to look at your body and say, well, I don't feel like I'm healed. It's a covenant of grace that is activated or accessed by faith. Remember the statement. You might want to write it down because I don't have a lot of points tonight. So you're going to have to catch what the Holy Spirit pour out in the spirit. Amen. You just don't have to catch it. But you might want to write it down. That God says, if I can believe, he will get to show out in my life. <laughs> Whew. I have to teach this. I, I, I have to. I, I want to skip ahead to something that I'm talking about uh, uh, Sunday, Minister Ingrid, but I got to lay this foundation first. Amen. Somebody say, grow in grace. Grow in grace. grace. Again, we'll say it again. I've been confessing it all day. You can confess it with me. I am one with the healer. Therefore, I am healed. I am one with the Savior. Therefore, I am saved. I am one with the sanctifier. Therefore, I am sanctified. I am one with the provider. Therefore, all of my needs are met. 
I didn't earn it, but it's mine. I didn't earn it, but it's mine. Jesus paid for it, and it's mine. That's called grace. Do you hear me? That's called grace right there. That's called grace. I didn't earn it, but it's mine. I didn't pay for it. Jesus paid for it, but it's mine. Grace means this. This is what grace means. Remember this term that we talked about Sunday. Grace, what grace is, grace is not a thing that God used to not look at what you did wrong. That's what we've been teaching grace as. It's a cover up. It is God looking at you. You did something wrong and then God said, well, I'm going to give grace just so I won't have to see what they did wrong. No, the blood of Jesus dealt with what you did wrong. Somebody say amen. Grace is not a thing. It's the expression of a thing. Grace is a one word expression of the new covenant. If I wanted to just say the new covenant was something, I would just say grace. If somebody wanted to say, what was this new covenant? You would just say grace. And grace don't just show up when I do wrong. Grace is not that. Grace is strength. Grace is healing. Grace is love. Grace is power. Grace is joy. Grace is deliverance. Grace is provision. Grace is all of that. And it means this. I didn't earn it. It's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor means this. Unmerited favor don't mean I, I don't. We like to think it means undeserved favor. You don't deserve it. No, that's not what it means. Unmerited don't mean you don't deserve it. It just means you didn't earn it. God thought you deserved it. What would you think of my wife if I'm trying to bless my wife with, with gifts? And, 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 and a matter of fact, let's do it on this end because I was the one that struggled with it this Christmas. I struggled with it. Um, um, she wanted to, to, to bless me with gifts. My birthday is coming up. And, and I, I was shooting down every idea my wife was trying to bless me with. My wife wanted to check this out. Said, my wife wanted to take me to Los Angeles for my birthday to go see a Lakers game. You know how much I love the Lakers. And it wanted to take me. And I said, we ain't got to do that. She said, all right, we ain't got to do that. Let's go to Houston and watch the Lakers game. I went, nah, we ain't got to do that. Then let's go to Miami with the kids. Now nah, we ain't got to do that. And I kept saying, we ain't got to do this. And we ain't got to, am I right, babe? I kept shooting down everything that she was bringing. And then she said, and then we were riding home from Shreveport um, the day after Christmas. And I, I turned to her, I said, am I hard to buy gifts for? And she said, yes. <laughs> so why am I hard? It doesn't matter what it is. I'm okay with it. She was like, no. Because you shoot down, you downplay anything anybody gives you. You don't let people love on you. So I want to do stuff for you and you just won't let me. I want to buy this and you don't think you deserve it and you don't think that we should spend that money. And you don't think. Now, you, I go all out for other people. You know what I realized? I had a problem seeing myself in the new covenant. I had a problem seeing. Now, if it was the, the shoe was on the other end and I wanted to bless my wife and I wanted to get her nails done and she always said, well, I don't think I should get my nails done. I don't deserve it. So come on, let's go get your hair done. Now, I, I, don't, I don't think I should get my hair done. I don't, I don't deserve it. Let's go shopping. I'm going to give you my debit card, unlimited swipes. No, I don't deserve it. Let me rub your feet. No, don't touch them. I don't deserve it. Every time I wanted to do something for her, she wouldn't let me because, I mean, I'm not saying she's like that, but what if she was like that? You would look at it like, well, okay, there's something wrong with her mentally. She, she, has, she has trauma that is going on in her life that's stopping her from receiving love. 
God is saying the same thing to you. God is saying, I want to love on you and show out in your life that you don't think you deserve none of the stuff that I'm getting. So I need you to get that out of your vocabulary. Grace does not mean undeserving. It don't mean you don't deserve it. It means you didn't earn it. You deserve it because God wants you to have it. Now, you don't get to determine whether or not you deserve it. God determines whether or not you deserve it. And God said, you deserve it so much that I will pay the price of my only begotten son just to give it to you. It's unmerited, unearned. Somebody say unearned. Favor. Now, that word favor means blessings of all kinds. It's not just talking about favor. It's talking about blessings of all kinds. If you can think of it, you, you did, it's yours and you didn't even earn it. Glory to God, that's good. If, it, if, if, you, if you can dream it, why do you think God put certain dreams in your heart? He's trying to get you to believe, although you didn't earn it. I didn't behave good enough to get this, God. God said, well, glory to God. I mean, God wouldn't say glory to God. God would say, glory. I didn't base this covenant on your performance. I didn't base the covenant based on how you behave. I based it on what you believe. And if you can believe, it would allow me to show out in your life. Glory to God. Somebody say growing grace. So. This word grace means I didn't earn it. This is what my faith should rest in. Anytime I hear the term grace, it is referring to the new covenant. This is what my faith should rest in. My faith should rest in this. You ready? It should rest in this phrase right here. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, because of the finished work of Christ, God has done it and is mine. Because of the finished work of Christ, God has done it and is mine. Now, the word done it is a past tense term. I am not, Donald, I am not trying to get God to do anything. I want you to understand this. As a new believer, I want you to understand this. You are not trying to get God to do anything. God did it and then wrote your name on it and then came and told you about it. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, God, Christ died for us. God already did it. And then wrote your name on it and then came back and said, okay, I got stuff in here for you. I got stuff in here for you. I got, I got, <laughs> hallelujah, glory to God. That, that's what it is. So when I go in prayer, I'm never trying to play chess with God. I'm not trying to get God to do anything. I go in prayer with that same understanding of that phrase. Because of the finished work of Christ, you already done it and it's mine. Today, we had some situations that uh, uh, everybody has some, but we had some situations to come up where it, it requires that we um, we pay some things financially. So immediately I began to be disciplined in my thinking and in my faith But this from this teaching. This is what happened. We, we got money that needs to be taken care of. We got to take care of some stuff. And then immediately I never thought where the money is coming from. I remember who I was tied to. I remember who I was in the road with. And because I'm one with the provider, all my needs are met. So immediately I begin to say, Father, I thank you so much. I give you glory, Lord God, and I bless your name. I thank you, Lord God, for blessing me. You know what I didn't do and what I find myself doing now? I never check when I'm believing God for something. I never check inventory of my life to see what I've been doing. I don't do it anymore. 
I don't say, well, make sure that you've been doing this and doing that and doing that and doing that. I don't have a checklist anymore. It's just believe. Now, we went through all them scriptures about God dealing with sin and uh, judging sin and uh, judging sin, punishing sin and forgiving sin all in Christ on the cross. We went through all those scriptures of that, that God is not going to judge your sin, that he's already done it. He's already judged it, already punished it and already forgave it in Christ on the cross once and for all. Somebody say once and for all. We all went through all of those scriptures to prove that now it's time for me to believe it. So when the financial need rose up, my faith became disciplined, Donald. Immediately I said this. I said, glory to God. I'm tied to the one that got everything. Father, I give you glory. I thank you so much. You're awesome. I thank you that all my needs are met and I receive right now. I'm not asking God. God, I need the money. God paid the bill. God sent the money. I'm not asking any of that. I'm acting like it's already done. I got to believe that. I told y'all we talk about this all day. My wife and I, we talk about this all day. So we're on our way to church today. And you know, a lot of my stories refer back to my wife. Me and my wife. Me and my wife. Y'all you notice that? Hey Amen. That's my best friend. Amen. Amen. We talk to each other all the time. Amen. We actually like each other. Glory to God. Amen. I mean, some people, I mean, you love your spouse, but you don't like them. I actually like her. Amen. Glory to God. So, I mean, we, 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 we're talking. And as we're riding and we're talking, um, I, I believe I turned to you and made this statement. What you would never find Jesus doing when it's time for an exchange to take place in a person's life. Jesus, when somebody has a need, you would never find Jesus saying, first, tell me how you've been behaving. You would never find Jesus saying, first, let me look at what you've been doing. In fact, they were caught in the act of adultery and they were, they were, they were, they were, they, were, they, they had five husbands and the one that they were with was not theirs. And all of these extreme conditions that went with their need, he would say stuff like this, be it unto you according to your faith. Your faith has made you whole. Well, you, you're not going to check whether or not I've been acting and performing and walking the straight line. He says, no, that's the wrong covenant. Write down this statement real quick. Write this down. Jesus is the manifestation of the new covenant. You want to know what this new covenant is like? Look at Jesus. He's the manifestation. So when Jesus will walk up and he never required performance out of anybody. You got it in the air? When he didn't require performance, watch what he did. He just said, if you'll believe it. He never, Chris, come on, stand up. Here's the weight of the conversation and the need, the responsibility right here, said, I'm holding it up. This is called the responsibility. Jesus never put it on himself. Because as far as he's concerned, remember, he's the manifestation of the new covenant. As far as he's concerned, it's done. So he never put it on himself of whether or not it was going to receive. He said, it's on you. Now, if you can believe, let me put the responsibility on you. If you can believe, then you'll get it. Don't say it's me. Don't say I didn't want you to have it. Don't say none of that. It has nothing to do with that. It has strictly to do with if you can believe. If you can get from under the law and under that old covenant where your performance was needed and get in this new covenant where faith is needed, then you can receive well, why haven't I received? Because you don't, you don't think you deserve. You don't think you deserve. You don't, you, you don't think you deserve. So now you're trying to put the weight back on Jesus. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's not going to be on me. I want to be healed. I already healed you. By my stripes, you are healed. 
1 Peter 2 and 29 say, by his stripes you were healed. It's past tense as far. God is not going to heal you. God already did it. Now it's on you whether or not you're going to receive it. He is not going to send Jesus to die again. He is not going to write a new Bible. He is not going to send more angels. He is not going to shed his blood some more. He is not going to do anything else other than what he already did. Now it's up to you whether or not you're going to believe what he already did is enough to bring you to the place of receiving. Somebody shout, I receive. Because I believe. Glory to God. So the statement that I told you to write down, this is what my faith should rest in. It should rest in because of the finished work of Christ. God has done it and it's mine. God has done it and it's mine. Amen. Write down this first point. Matter of fact, write down our only point for tonight. Point number one. Faith that rests in the understanding of grace is unstoppable. Remember grace is this, Miss Deborah. Grace is God showing out in my life because of what Jesus did. <laughs> I can just break that down. You're going to tweet that, Kelsey? Here's grace. Grace is God showing out in my life because of what Jesus did. You know, Kelsey, the tweet in the air. She'll tweet it in. Kelsey, a superstar. She got a huge following. Amen. Tweet that for me, Kelsey. Get the people online. Amen. Don't, you ain't got to say your daddy. Don't quote your dad. My daddy said No, you just say this. Grace is God showing out in my life because of what Jesus did. Who that's good. Who Lord, I need you to preach that back to me when you get home. You know, you get a good revelation. Amen. You got it, JR? That's what grace is. If anybody want to know what grace is, watch this. Faith that rests in the understanding of me understanding that God is showing, wanting to show out in my life because of what Jesus did becomes unstoppable. That faith becomes unstoppable. Read the point back to me and it reads. Faith that rests in the understanding of grace is unstoppable. So let me go to a familiar statement. I'm backtracking right now because I'm about to get into a set of scriptures to work with. Uh, a familiar statement that we brought up um, a couple of weeks ago, and we've been bringing them up ever since. And this statement was this, that sin was the problem of the complication between God and man. Sin was the problem between God and man. It was a complication. So in Christ, so in Christ, God judged it, punished it, and forgave it. Watch this. In Christ, God forgave all the sins of the world. But everybody won't get to live in salvation. Although their sins have already been forgiven. Because they won't believe. Only requirement. Do you see? And because they won't believe, they don't receive. You see it. You see it. So the thing, come on, Chris, let's do it again. You know how we, we, we use this illustration. So, 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 so God just extend it out. Extend, no, I hold this. You hold that. You try to reach it to me. Amen. So there's, no, there's some things that God has been trying to get to you, but he can't get it to you because sin has been in the way. And the covenant, the old covenant or the law only pointed out your wrongs. 
That's why the old covenant say stuff like this, Miss Deborah. Thou shall not. But in the new covenant, it don't say thou shall not uh, lie and thou shall not steal and thou shall not murder and thou shall not cover thy neighbor's wife and thou shall not. It don't say that in the new covenant. It say thou shall. You see that not word? God is saying, I'm not building a covenant that is focusing on what you can't do. I'm now building on a, building a covenant focused on what you've been enabled to do. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and love thy neighbor as thyself. So now because sin was the thing that was in the way, this is what God did. Just pull it from me. So God moved it, put it out of the way, and there's nothing. With sin gone, with sin no longer a problem, there's nothing left to do but receive. That's why I thank you so much. It's not saying that sin don't exist. It exists. It exists. But to God, watch this, and that's the only view that matters. To God is the only view that matters. To God, it has already been judged, already been punished, and already forgiven. God. Oh my God, that's beautiful. We have somehow made this gospel of grace, this gospel of the new covenant, this gospel of the kingdom, ugly. We mess it up to make it trust in our own ability. When God was saying that I am going to show out in your life based on what Jesus did. Not based on what you do. So what was supposed to be a gospel of grace about the finished work of Christ became a gospel of Troy about what she can and can't do. And a gospel of Ingrid about what she's been doing. And a gospel of Chris about, well, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this and I don't do that. Teach Holy Spirit. Somebody said there's nothing else left to do but receive. Look at your neighbor and say there's nothing left to do but receive. Look at somebody else and say it with an attitude. There's nothing left to do but receive. Come on, look at somebody else and say there's nothing left to do. But receive. Find somebody else and look at them. And you ain't said it with no attitude yet. There's nothing left to do. But receive. There's nothing left to do. But receive. Everything else that needed to be done, Jesus did it. Living perfect, Jesus did it. Paying, paying the penalty for sin, Jesus did it. Living righteous, Jesus did it. Rising from the dead, Jesus did it. Cleansing me, Jesus did it. Punishing sin, Jesus. Forgiving sin, Jesus. There's nothing left to do but receive. Yeah. It's like showing up to the store and you pick out everything you want, and when you walk to the register, they say it's already been paid for. How did you know I was coming? Well, he just paid for. He just went into every store in Baton Rouge and paid for everything. And put your name on the ticket. Just in case you come in this store. That's what it's like right there. It is like, it is like, he's not, it's not him saying, I know you was going to come into Dillard's. It is saying, no, I went to Dillard's. I went to Macy's. I went to Perfume Mania. I went into Victoria's Secret. I went into every store in the mall and every store in East Baton Rouge, Paris. And I paid for everything. Just in case you stumble into that store. 
I'm trying to show you how, how can it expand your faith? Yes, it should. Faith that rests on this becomes unstoppable because now I don't question God. There's nothing left to do but, 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 but receive. There's nothing left to do but receive. That's all it is. That, that there's nothing left. Oh, you hear me? I can't stress that enough. There's nothing left to do. If it's healing, there's nothing left for me to do but if it's deliverance, there's nothing left for me to do but if it's provision, there's nothing left to, for me to do but if it's sanctification, there's nothing left for me to do. Quit letting religion tell you that you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and you got to do that. And here you are. You don't think you should receive because you ain't been to church in two weeks. You ain't paid your tithes. You ain't been baptized. You ain't take communion. You remember the words you said last night or the stuff you did. And God is saying, no, I already punished that. I already judged that. And I already forgave that. Now, if you could believe that, you could still get it. Look at somebody just do your hand like you say, can you believe? It's unstoppable. Galatians chapter 3, turn that real quick. Now remember I told you that the law represented this. Y'all, I believe the Holy Spirit is teaching in here tonight. I believe he's teaching in here tonight. You know what, I, what, what, what I'm experiencing in my mind, Tim, is like this. Picture you going, you going home. To your house and when you get to your house you have your daddy there walking out of the house with all the furniture and you say hold on hold on hold on what you doing when you're going with that couch say baby don't worry about it. I got a truck full of furniture right there I bought you all new everything that's what I think is going on in my mind, right? I feel like what's going on in my mind. God is taking out all the old furniture, the, all the old beliefs and all of the old thoughts that I had about how he functioned and who he was. God is taking all that out and saying, no, I'm bringing new furniture. I'm bringing new stuff for you to rest on and rest in now. I'm bringing new thoughts. I'm, and now you're going to see me in a new way. I see him rearranging the way I think and changing my mindset towards him. And now I see a daddy that's more concerned about how he can love me. Look for opportunities to love me than a daddy that's sitting there with his fist balled up saying, I can't wait to get my hands on you. I'm going I'm to punish you when I see you. The covenant are different. Amen. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Watch what it says. I go to verse 22. But the scripture had concluded all under sin that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that do what? There's that condition again. Verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Now, remember, the law was the old covenant. The law. Anytime we hear that word law, it always represents the old covenant. That covenant was based on the condition of that covenant was performance. The focus of that covenant was sin. The judgment of that covenant was condemnation or you are guilty. And then the commitment of that covenant was God saying, if you, it was bilateral, if you, I will. So watch what it says. It says, but, but before faith came, somebody say before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It was only given to us to bring us to a place of realizing we can't do it on our own. So God put all of these conditions in there and said, now you got to live up to all of them. And then when you couldn't live up to them, you say, I can't do it. And he said, I know. I'm glad you said that. Jesus already did it. 
Hallelujah. So watch this. Therefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by what we do, by how we behave, by how good we live, by how good we walk, by making sure we don't do, say the wrong words, by making sure we don't think the wrong thoughts. By what? Faith. By faith. So now, watch what God said. If you can believe it, you're automatically not guilty. It can't be that simple. Let me help you out. That's why it's so hard. The simplicity of the gospel makes it complicated. We're not used to things being simple. So we complicated ourselves. God told Adam this. God said, in the day that you eat of the garden, you will sure eat of the fruit of the, of the tree in the midst of the garden. You will surely die. That's what God said. God said, if you eat it, you're going to die. Somebody say, if you eat it. If you eat it. By, by the time Eve got the news, she complicated. She said, God said that we should not eat it, neither shall we touch it, lest we die. God never said nothing about touching. So you're complicating it. You're adding to it. You're making it harder than what it is. All I said was don't eat it. Stay away from it. And you got to talk about touching it. I got, can't touch it. Well, I can't look at it. What color is it? You try to look at the side of your eye. Well, God didn't say all that. All God said, see, God says one thing and then you go adding to it to make it more harder than what it is. Somebody say it's simple. So I, I believe I left off in verse 24. Watch verse 25. But after that, faith has come. After this grace has now been extended, this new covenant has been extended. The new condition of the covenant is what? Faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster of the law. Let's confess. We've been confessing some things. So confess with me. Say it with an attitude. You ready? All that performing, that ain't for me. All that condemnation and being guilty, that ain't for me. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. And in Christ, I believe that he performed, that he was found guilty, and he was found not guilty. When he was raised from the dead, he was declared not guilty. That's where I am. Come on, let's say it again. All that performing for healing. That ain't for me. I receive it, although I didn't earn it. It's mine. Jesus died. Jesus rose. And Jesus lives that I might have it. See, these are the confessions that now have to come out of your mouth. You got to get used to saying this stuff. All that performance, that ain't for me. When it's time to receive, I told you about the financial things that came up in my life. Uh, Donna. I was just, well, Father, I thank you right now. It's like Kelsey. One of the first things Kelsey do when she comes to my house. Kelsey got her own house, but when she comes to my house, first thing she do is go to the refrigerator. Not to ask what's in the refrigerator. If she asking questions, she asking, Daddy, how long has this been in here? You see what I'm saying? Why don't we have that? Same? See, that's what God meant. That's what God meant. That's what Jesus meant when he said you had childlike faith. 
if you had faith like a child, you would just walk into your daddy's house and open the refrigerator because in a child's mind, I'm supposed to have access to it. If it's yours, it's mine. I'm supposed to have access to it. I'm not supposed to have to perform and beg and do five push-ups and then turn around and, 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 and spin in circles just to get some peanut butter and jelly. I'm not supposed to have to perform to receive. And we brought those conditions of the world into our relationship with God and we made it a religion when God said, I never wanted a religion. I wanted a relationship. Now that faith has come, I am no longer under the law, under the schoolmaster. Now that faith has come, all that performing, that ain't for me. Glory to God. Let's look at another scripture. Before we do that, let me, let me backtrack very quickly. Let me show you something. You see that law, the reason why you are no longer under the law, go back to that verse 25, verse 25. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We are no longer under the law. We are no longer under all of those conditions and all of those condemnations and all of those uh, old covenant commitments and focus. And, and we're no longer under that. So now I have to get from under that mentally. I have to get from under that mentally. If I don't get from under that, this is a statement the Holy Spirit gave me. Faith that is laced with the law of the old covenant is infected. And it works against the new covenant. It's infected. Somebody say it's infected. Somebody say I got to get from under it. You don't know how deep you into it until you start thinking about when things start going bad in your life. And you start thinking about it must be because I was doing something wrong or I've been doing something bad. What if you under attack? Don't get me wrong. There's consequences for bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah. You slap somebody, you probably won't get slapped back. There's consequences. Jesus already, you can run all you want, point back with somebody. Jesus already punished that. He forgave it. Don't forgive him. Don't, do, don't you hit me back. There's consequences for it. I'm not saying there's no consequences for your action. What I am saying is it don't affect your relationship with God. Amen. So the point that I'm making is this, that if I don't get from under the law, if I don't get from under it. See, we think that just because we're saved, we're no longer under the law. But in our heads, we are. We've been new covenant believers using old covenant methods. And in our mind, we've been under the law. And now that faith has come, I'm no longer under that school map. I'm no longer under those conditions. All that performing, you know, don't apply to me. I just received. Now that all of that has been dealt with, there's nothing left for me to do but receive. You got it? You remember in the Bible, uh, Dr. Netter, uh, in the Bible, it was talking about, um, I brought it up a couple of times, it talked about two times in the Bible, Ken, where God said you have great faith. Jesus said that two times in the Bible, only two times. You would think, now if Jesus is impressed and he marveled at somebody's faith, you know, you know how hard it is to impress Jesus? This is somebody that got faith that's just like, I'm talking about faith to walk on water. Lazarus is sick and here it is, and he's about to die. Jesus said, I'll wait till he dies. And then watch, watch, watch New Covenant. Remember, he's the manifestation of the New Covenant. Watch how New Covenant talk. Lazarus, our friend, is sleep, we must go wake him. And they said, Lord, if he's sleep, then he's doing well. 
I meant he was dead. Then why you didn't just say he was dead? Because in this covenant, raising him from the dead is just as easy as waking him up. Jesus. Jesus. See, in the old covenant, in your mind, that's hard. That's hard to raise somebody from the dead. Jesus said, not in this covenant. In this covenant where I'm tied to my father, me and my father, that's why he kept saying, new covenant terminology does not address God as God. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. There was only one time in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we'll say it that way, where Jesus called, called him God. Every time you read about Jesus talking about it, he said, my father, my father, my father, my father. And then when he's on the cross and he's, he's dying, he's become sin. The Bible says he became sin. So now when he became sin, he's now the, 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 the punishment, the judgment, the punishment and the forgiveness of the old covenant condition. He is now on the cross. And the only time he ever called him my God was when sin separated him from him. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because I've never become sin up until this point. And in the new covenant, he was only my father. But you became my God when See, there's a distance in just being God, but there's no distance when he's your father. Are y'all with me? Teach Holy Spirit. So the only two times that Jesus said there was great faith, it's simple. He said this, great faith is simple. It was a centurion whose servant was sick. And he said, I understand I'm a man, I'm, uh, I'm a man that's under authority. When I tell a man to go, he goes. And when I tell a man to come, he comes. And when I tell a man to do this, he does it. And, he, and Jesus said that, uh, he said, I haven't seen this such great faith. I haven't seen this kind of faith, such great faith, not even in Israel. The people that go to church every week. I ain't seen this kind of faith in them. Somebody said great faith. Then there was a Syrophoenician woman in Matthew chapter 15 where this woman was, uh, her daughter was sick and she said, I need you to come heal my daughter. My daughter's possessed with a devil and I need you to heal her. And Jesus said, why should I take the children's bread and give it to dogs? And this woman was persistent. She refused to take no for an answer. That's new covenant faith right there. I would not take no for an answer. Watch what Jesus said. Jesus, the woman said that even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus said, I haven't seen such great faith. What did the two have in common that made their faith great? One understood authority. The other one understood persistence. Refusing to take no for an answer. What did they have in common to make their faith great? Neither one of them were ever under the law. One was a centurion, the other was a Syrophoenician, and they were never under the law. They were never judged, they were never condemned, they were never focused on sin, they were never, all of that Old Testament, Old, old Covenant uh, focus and condition, they never had to perform, they never had that. So when it came time to believe, all they had to do was believe. They didn't have all that junk of the law working against them. Like you do. Like we do, like I do. All of that stuff. So if I can get all of this lost stuff out of me, my faith will skyrocket. Romans chapter 5. Turn there. Turn there. All right. My time is near up, so I got, I got, I got two more scriptures after this, and I'm going to walk away from it. Notice I didn't say I was done. 
from under the law in your mind, your thoughts. You know what that would mean, Minister Ingrid? If I can get from under, now that faith has come, if I can get from under the schoolmaster, under the law, it would change how I see God. If I change how I see him, I would, it would change how I view him seeing me. If it changes how I see him and how I view him seeing me, because it don't change how I, he see me. He see me this way anyway. It just, I've been thinking he view me like this. So my view of him has been wrong. So it would change how I see him and change how I view him seeing me. And if that would happen, then it would change how I deal with people. I can't receive all of this grace without all of this performance. And I only extend it to people. Hallelujah. I can't be under the new covenant where the focus is no longer sin, but it's now love. You ever notice in the old covenant, we can go back to that sin issue since we're there. Man, I'm, I'm, y'all, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm feeling good tonight, so I'm, 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 I'm going to cut it off in a minute, but I'm, 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 the Holy Spirit is flowing right now. That sin issue, watch, watch what it was. In the old covenant, it was called sin. In the new covenant, watch what it's called. Weakness, faults, shortcomings. Weakness, faults, shortcomings. That's what it's called. How can I hang you on a cross for a weakness? That's like, that's like going to the hospital and then <laughs> nailing somebody to the tree because they were sick. You see what I'm saying now? He's trying to change. He said, no, adultery is still adultery. Fornication is still fornication. Lying is still lying and murdering is still murdering. But it's a weakness, false, and a shortcoming now. So I'm not saying that they don't have to be developed. What I'm saying is that's not my focus. My focus is loving on them. And I believe, this is what God's saying. I believe that if I love on them in such a way that he that loveth, he that is forgiveth much, loveth much. So my way of cleaning them up is not me beating them down by how they've been acting. My way of cleaning them up is just to love them in such a way now that they begin to be so overwhelmed with my love. And they say, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop acting like this. I got to stop. I'm ready to live for you now. Hallelujah. You got Romans chapter five. Come on. Somebody say growing in grace. I'm almost done. Romans chapter five, verse 17. If you got it, say, I got it. I got it. Watch what it says. For if by one man's offense, death did what? Rain. It rained by one. Much more they which receive the abundance of? Grace. The abundance of? Grace. Say it loud. The abundance of? Grace. Now remember, grace is not a thing. Grace is an expression of a thing. So it's an understanding. They that receive the abundance of grace. It's understanding of the new covenant. You ready? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Here's the part I like. Shall do what? Rain. Rain when? So you mean to tell me I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to rain? I don't have to wait till Jesus come back, scoop me up, take me back to heaven. I cross over that old Jordan River, stick my sword in the sand and study water no more. You mean to tell me that I'm supposed to rain in life right now? 
I'm supposed to reign right now. It's not supposed. No, I'm not. I'm not saying I can't wait till I get to heaven. It'll be no more sickness there. I'm supposed to reign right here where sickness is at. I'm supposed to reign right here where bills are at. I'm supposed to reign right here where enemies are at. And watch what he says. I gave you so much grace, the abundance of it. And this understanding of this grace is supposed to make you unstoppable. When you begin to see me like this, nothing will be able to stop you. Here's what I like, Sean, here's what I like. When you are raining, your feelings are not. When you are raining, your flesh is not. When you are raining, your enemies are not. When you are raining, sickness is not. But when you're not raining, everything else can. Take this word tonight, equip it in your mind and in your spirit so that you can begin to live above the conditions. It ain't say the conditions of the world. You know how some people get, bring the rope, Chris. I don't like that rope. Go get the yellow rope by my office. I don't like that rope. The red rope represent what? Performance. No, there's the yellow rope. Bring that rope. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Bring the red rope. I like that rope. Sorry, Jesus. There's a red rope representing the blood of Jesus. Represent faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on here. Come on up here. Stand right there. It means to bind together. Stand back to back. Stand back to back. This is what faith means. Faith means raise your hands. Raise your hands. This is what faith means, Miss Troy. It means to tie together. Get your hand from under that knee. Get your hand from under that. I'm finna. Uh, Man, you know you can't mess up the new cousin, Nier. You got it? So, Nier, walk over here. Notice where you go, Crisco. You can put your hand down. This is actually a picture of the new covenant right here. I am tied together with God. That word covenant means to bind together. I am tied together with God by faith. That's the red rope, faith, right? So the blood of Jesus did a work. That's why the rope is red. The blood of Jesus did a work. I don't have to perform. All I have to do is believe. But when I believe, I bring God into the situation. So now I'm not worried about the economy going down. You know, the economy is going to crash and it's going to have this. OK, let it crash. I remember who I'm tied to. I got to go. Y'all pray for me. I got to go see the doctor and see what the doctor going to say. Go see the doctor. Don't forget who you're tied to. Amen. Glory to God. Are y'all with me? Well, they said I don't have the money to do this and I don't know how I'm going to get along. But glory to God, stop worrying. You can't worry and remember who you're tied to. Watch what worry does. Worry makes you forget. And in your own effort, you try to do it. When the whole time you're tied to the one that is enabled, that is, has the ability. The Bible says this, that the king's heart is in the Lord's hand and he turn it whatsoever way that he will. He can turn it whatever way he will. So why am I worried about somebody not giving me a chance at a job? Walk over here to this interview. Just remember who you're tied to when you go in there. Is it favor? I don't have to worry about. I don't have to. I don't have to try to work out favor. I never pray for favor. 
Ma'am, I don't know your name, but let me go ahead and tell you, I never pray for it. I don't have a scripture in the Bible that tell me to pray for it. The Bible never tell me to pray for it. The Bible just tell me to walk in it. Because somebody say, I have it. So watch what this Bible says. Watch what the new covenant says. Listen to me very clearly, Miss Deborah. Watch what the scripture says. God says in scripture, if you are not faithful, he will remain faithful. That's 1 Timothy right there. That's unilateral covenant. That's new covenant. Somebody said it's new covenant. Watch what it says. says. It says this. Even if I am not being faithful, it don't stop him from being faithful. You mean to tell me that there's a covenant like this? For real? It's simple. Believe it. I don't know if I can believe that. That's because you're trying to see your father in heaven through the eyes of your earthly daddy. You're trying to view how people have treated you and put God in that category. And you can't imagine a grace that is so lavish that it has nothing to do with how you perform. You want me to give you another scripture to prove it? Okay, your unfaithfulness versus his faithfulness. It says this, what sin has abound. Hold on to the rope. Just grab the rope with your hand like that. Grab the rope with your hand right here. Try to follow me here. Fall down. Fall down. Look at that. Even when you fall, the Lord shall hold you up. You see that? He's trying to fall. He's trying to fall. But the Lord is still faithful. That will not let him he that will keep you, that, that never sleep and never stumble, shall keep you. Glory, never slumber. He shall keep you now unto him that is able to keep us from falling. Glory to God. So when you did whatever you did in your flesh, you wanted to do it, but he remained faithful and would not let you fall. And here you are walking around being guilty. Go back down to where you was, Nier. Hold on to your rope now so it won't bruise your ribs. Go ahead and try to fall. There you go. Straight your legs out. And you know, you, watch this. You're waiting on God to come and punish you. You never get up. This is called condemnation and guilt. You never get up. You're waiting on God to come and just say, look at you now. All messed up. You got yourself in a mess now. I'm going to keep you there just because. You should have known better. You waiting on God to do that when God is actually the one tied to you that's keeping you from falling. And this is all the only thing God is saying. He's looking over his shoulder tied to you and he's saying this here. Get up. That's the only thing that is coming out of God. Get up. I'm keeping you from falling. You can't stay where you you can't stay where sin tried to take you. You can't stay where your flesh tried to take you. Get up. But I ain't been living right. Get up. But I ain't been doing. Get up. I, but Lord, I don't know what. I, get up is all he's saying. Get up. And then when you get up, he said, "Now come on, let's go." Well, Lord, you want to talk about the prodigal son showed up to his daddy's house, and when he showed up, his daddy never wanted to address where his flesh took him. I almost kicked over this stand right there because that was better than y'all amens just then. That was too good to get a um. <laughs> Prodigal son came home and watch this. There was a conversation. There was a conversation about what he did wrong. Matter of fact, I'm not going to say it was, wasn't a, was a conversation. 
there was a speech about what he did wrong, but it didn't come from the father. The only one that was talking about what he did was the son. The father never addressed it, never acknowledged it, never dealt with it. All he did was there's nothing left to do but receive. All he did was pour his love on him. If you can believe me, I get to show out in your life. Thank you so much. I'll go ahead. Come on, give them a hand. Amen. Untie yourselves in. Go ahead, very quickly, 2 Peter chapter 3. Turn there very quickly, very quickly, very quickly, very quickly. Kelsey, is this good? Amen. Glory to God. 2 Peter chapter 3. Check 2 Peter chapter 3. We almost done, Jim. Don't look like that. Amen. Glory to God. 2 Peter chapter 3. Where sin has abound. Anybody else know that scripture? Where sin has abound, grace has that much more. You will never be able to out-sin God's grace. Because sin has already been punished, judged, punished, and forgiven. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18. You got it, say I got it. Watch what it says in verse 18. But grow in and in knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Notice what God told you to grow in. If it was me and I wrote it and I knew everything I needed to know about you or about me. Me knowing everything I need to know about how I am in life, how I've been behaving in life. I got a lot more stuff to tell you to grow in than grace. You need to grow in patience. You need to grow in long suffering. You need to grow in self-control. You need to grow. I got a lot of stuff that I can list out. Just think about it. If somebody knew everything they needed to know about you and they wanted to write a list of stuff you need to grow in, grace and knowledge wouldn't be the top of the list. And God is saying, because I know something you don't. I know this new covenant. And that's what grace is. And if I can get you to grow in it, that word grow, write it down, I'll put it on the screen. That word grow, this is what it meant. I didn't put the Greek word up there, Ms. Deb. I don't normally not put the Greek word up there, but I didn't put it up there because it was, it was a little bit tongue-twisting, complicated for me to pronounce off. Like, all right. We'll come back to it, but this is, it came from the uh, BibleHub.com, from the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of Bible Words. And this is what the, grow, the word grow means. It means to increase in insight. So when God said to grow in grace, this is what he was saying. Increase in insight. Increase in insight. Increase in insight. Increase your ability to see this new covenant. Here's the second definition that's, that's more important than the first. The word grow, when he said grow in grace, remember grace means the new covenant. The word grow means to flood thoroughly. Last year in Baton Rouge, is Tim here? Tim, if you're here, we're ready for you. Amen. God damn you. Amen. Glory to God. We're floating. Watch what it means. It means to flood thoroughly. Last year we had a flood in Baton Rouge. 
And when the flood in Baton Rouge, this is what happened. Um, I didn't have damage, but I've heard so many stories of people that had damage, and this is what happened. Matter of fact, Ms. Troy, you had water come up to your porch, and your, your house sits high. So what happened, you were watching the water, and then it came in your yard, and it came up to the first step. Before you know it, it was at the second step, and the third step. And that's what people tell me, Ms. Deborah, you had flood damage. And when it came into the house, it went into one room. Then it went into another room. And I'm not bringing this up to make you relive the, the memory, but glory to God, you're tied to him. So even if you had the damage, he's going to restore everything. He's a restorer. You're tied to the restorer. Amen. So when the water got into one room, it just it flooded into another until the whole house was flooded. That's flooding thoroughly. God is saying this understanding of grace has to bleed over into every area of your life. You just can't keep it about church. This understanding of grace has to get into your relationships. Get into your health. Get into your finances. Somebody say growing grace. That's growing in grace. When it begins to get into other areas of your life. And before you know it, you're no longer worried. You're no longer staying up at night. You're no longer stressing. You're no longer filled with anxiety. You're no longer fearful. You're no longer doubting. You no longer can't sleep. Why? I remember who I'm tied to. And I remember that because of Jesus, God wants to show out in my life. Not because of me, but because of Jesus, God wants to show out in my life. And I remember that. I'm tied to him. Based, and all I, all, my only condition is faith. Because Jesus did everything. He performed in every way. There's nothing left for me to do but to receive. Amen. Now I can go to sleep at night. That understanding of grace bleeding over into every area of your life is growing in grace. So now I want to show you one controversial misconception of scripture in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we'll close out. Tim, do you want First Lady to relieve you of your fatherly duties at the moment? Okay. That's fine. Go ahead, Father. She on her way. Thank you, First Lady. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Verse 3. What's verse 1? Now, let me be honest with you, Ms. Troy. We, we're six parts into this teaching, and it creates a certain level of liberty. Actually, when you start off teaching it, I was, um, I was a little bit nervous. The Holy Spirit, or the revelation the Holy Spirit was given, and I was like, you know, those people going to think they can do anything? You sure you want me to teach that? And he said this. They can. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. They can do whatever they want, but it don't mean it's going to benefit. <laughs> oh, there's Kevin. Amen. Well, Lord... A piano would be nice. A piano would be nice. Well, Lord, these people are going to think 
God is saying, my church have not taught this right. They've been teaching that Jesus died for their sins, but then they turn around telling the people that they have to perform a certain way. Well, if Jesus died for it, if Jesus performed, why are you telling my people to perform? Why aren't you telling them to let me love on them? Why are you telling them as a prodigal son they need to get their own shoes, their own clean, get their own robe and kill and grow and raise their own fattened calf? Fatten your own calf up is what we've been telling people. God has said, that is not what I'm doing. I want to love on you. Well, Lord, they are going to be free. And he said, that's who I want to love. That's who I want to love me. Somebody that loved me out of desire, not out of obligation. Somebody that loved me out of liberty. Somebody, there's a liberty that comes with this grace. You mean to tell me? Yeah, but it means that you got to grow up and be mature. Now, now you don't have all of these strict rules and regulations governing your head to make you jump through all these loopholes to feel important. Now what you got to do, you got to learn how to mature and bring your flesh under subjection and say, God, I'm living for you because I want to. It's not because I get to get stuff and because I get to do. No, it is because I want to do this. I want to live the way you made me to live now. I want to behave the way you made me to behave now. I want to walk in this grace, this empowerment that you give me because of what Jesus did. So in Galatians 5 verse 1, this is what it says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Don't let nobody put you back in bondage. You see it? Watch this. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, if you perform a certain act, Christ shall not profit you nothing. If you got to start jumping through all these loopholes of performance, that's what circumcision represented the law. If you got to jump through all these loopholes of performance, then what Jesus did does not profit you anything. Verse three, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor of the whole law. Every man that started all this performance, now you got to obey every part of the law. You can't eat shellfish. You can't, you can't, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a whole lot of stuff you got to do. And watch this, verse four. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whosoever you are, justified by how you perform. You have fallen from grace. Minister Ingrid, I used to hear that term, falling from grace. And this is what I used to imagine grace, falling from grace was. A particular, when I sin or do a particular thing, I fell from grace. I was wrong. As a pastor, I can stand here before you today in over 20 years of ministry, almost 20 years, how old are you? Almost 21 years of ministry. I was wrong. Doctor's degrees and all, I was wrong. Falling from grace, that word falling, actually didn't mean you left from the position. It means you strayed from the path or the course. It didn't say you've fallen from Christ, you've fallen from righteousness, and you fell from grace. Grace is this. Grace is unmerited, unearned favor. It is God pouring his love on me and blessing me with everything because of what Jesus did. He said, if you start working in your own might, then you left the path where you get it because of Jesus. 
that's falling from grace. Let me break it down for you one more time. Listen to me. It is not me. I, I used to think falling from grace was if I sinned, I fell from grace. God said, no. I told you when sin abounds, grace is that much of a bound. How you gonna fall from? How you gonna fall from? And I already made the provision. But there's a in the new covenant, remember he calls sin shortcoming weaknesses and, and, and faults. But there is one thing he does call sin. And that's the thing that makes you leave the path of getting it because of Jesus. You ready? Whatever is not of faith. That's sin. Somebody say the new sin. That scripture does not destroy, that scripture does not show up in the New Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament. It only shows up in the New Testament. God didn't even bring that phrase out until the New Covenant. Whatever is not of faith. Well, Lord, I hadn't lied and I hadn't stolen and I hadn't done that and I've been paying my tithe and I want to know why you ain't been blessing me. He said, sin. But Lord, I ain't lied, I ain't stolen, I ain't murdered nobody, I ain't been sleeping with nobody, I ain't been doing that, and I want to know why you ain't been blessing me. Sin. Lord, I ain't lied, I ain't stolen, I ain't murdered, I ain't, I told you, I ain't do all that stuff. You keep saying sin. He said, because you don't understand sin. You won't believe that you get it because of Jesus. You expected me to give it to you based off how you've been doing and what you've been behaving. So you've been bringing all of your, you've been bringing your report card into my presence. Talking about, I ain't lied and I ain't stolen and I ain't murdered nobody and I ain't did that. And you expect me to give to you based on what you've been doing. And that's the problem right there. You can't get it off your performance. You can only get it by faith in Christ. So to fall from grace is not to do a particular sin. It's to leave the place of faith in Christ. It's to leave the place of faith in Christ. It's to leave. Let me do this for you, Kelsey. It is to leave the place of faith in Christ. It is, it is, this is what it means. When you fall from grace, this is what it means. It means to go back to a system of believing that my performance has to make this happen. Does that make sense? Teach Holy Spirit. This is you. This ink pen. And I'm going to keep doing this illustration, Chris, until it gets down in our spirit because I'm no longer preaching. I'm now trying to brainwash you. I'm trying to cleanse the way you think. I'm trying to wash the stains off of our brains. That's what I'm doing. So watch it. This is you. All of your behaviors and all of your performances and all of your life and everything that you are. When you came to God to be saved, he took you and put you in Christ. Can you see the pen? Can you see the pen? Is the pen there? Yeah. Can you see it? And that's what God said I did with you. You are in Christ. So when you go in prayer, this is what you look like when you go in prayer. You're in Christ. When you lay hands on the sick, this is what you look like. You're in Christ. When you have a need that needs to be met, this is what you look like. You're in Christ. 
And you've been thinking, Lord, you're going to give it to me, Lord, you're going to give it to me because I've been doing this and because I've been doing that. You ain't got it yet. And God said, that's the problem. You don't see yourself in Christ. Give God a hand to praise. We're done. We're done. I'll stop right there. Do me a favor, dear. On this phone, go press save for me. Amen. Just press the word save. Hallelujah. Did you enjoy tonight? Did it build your faith? Hallelujah.